Good morning, everyone. This is the third episode of My Name is Mario. I'm still the same host, Pietro Faccio, and I'm very happy to have had the chance to talk to Dave Bradley. Dave Bradley is the COO of Steel Media. We talked about multiple things like Cats, Paris, Sci-Fi, and of course, Pocket Gamer Connect, and where it should be next time. So stay tuned, listen to the show, let me know what you think about it, and help me welcoming Dave Bradley. Ooh, there we are, there we are. Hi, Dave. Uh, how are you doing? Hi. I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the the, uh, the podcast. Yeah, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing really really well. I'm very lucky. This is the third episode and the third episode with a beautiful sunshine outside, which really makes my mood levitate. I feel so great. The mood is good. <laughs> and you know, I I'm Italian, so whenever whenever there is a sun, I just feel different. I'm like I'm really meteoropathic in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, fortunately, I've got a little bit of sun here today as well. It's been raining. Uh, I'm in the UK and it's been raining for days, but we've got some sunshine as a little as well here. So which part of the UK? Which part of the UK? I'm in the southwest. I'm near, very near the city of Bath, the ancient Roman city of Bath. Um, I'm actually I'm a Londoner originally. I was born in West London, but I moved to Bath for work. And um, there's actually quite a lot of publishing and uh, and games publishing around the Bath region. So. Um, and so I came for that and I and I stayed in the region so I'm just outside Bath I'm on a uh, I'm on a hill over a valley about eight miles outside of Bath okay so I, how is it for a Londoner because I mean London London is a, is a very special city right every time I'm there I feel like an ant like I, I feel <laughs> minuscule like I feel minuscule <laughs> I don't know and then how is it moving well I would, I would actually ask anywhere else but how is it moving to Bath um, I mean, I've been here a long time now. You know, time goes by so quickly. I've now lived in this area longer than I was in London. But you know how it is. Wherever you're from, that's where everyone always thinks you're from. So everyone around here thinks I'm a Londoner, even though I've lived here for two decades now. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's quiet compared with London. So not only did I grow up in London, but I also grew up right next to Heathrow. So I'm right out on the oh. west of London. I've still, I've still got family who live in, in that area. And that means that um, uh, my uh, bedroom when I was a little kid was every morning, 6 a.m. till like 11 p.m., aeroplane noise, aeroplane noise, aeroplane noise. You can see them coming really low over the house. And back when Concord used to be um, used to be around, I mean, Ooh. that made a real roar when it came in. And so uh, what I will say, the first thing I will say about moving away from there is it's a lot quieter. It's a lot quieter here in, in the valleys of Wiltshire. That, that is something I can relate to because I'm actually on the line because I'm, I'm here in Warsaw and basically a couple of kilometers down there, there is the airport, right? And I'm exactly like all the planes pass like here above my head and it's, and it's terrible. Luckily, there are, there are no Concords anymore. But still, for in, in the summer, when I want to work in my garden, so I bring my laptop there. And every time after 45 minutes, I leave because every every five minutes, you have this boom, and it goes on. It's like at the, yeah. at the, at the fifth yeah. point, it's like, okay, I'm going to go back inside. So, uh, <laughs> right, it's, exactly it's, where it's close. It's, it's so, and, and do you, how, is it, is there any difference between you and the people from the, the, the city where you live now? Like, and is it, what does it mean being a Londoner? That's interesting because, well, not really. And I'll tell you, um, for a start, 
remember the UK is quite small, so although I'm no longer in London, it, London's only a hundred miles away, so it's not that far. But the um, uh, but actually, a lot of people have moved to Bath. Bath has a lot of people from outside as well. Like I said, I moved there because of the publishing industry. I moved to Bath to work on a magazine called PC Format, which is about PC gaming, and um, and it was part of a big publishing company, which is still there. How many decades there. ago are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking <laughs> 1990, 1997. We're talking 1997. Ooh. Okay. So uh, yeah, so the um, uh, I mean, you know, we were playing Quake. You know, it was that kind of time. So um, that was uh, that was there, and of course, a lot of the people I worked with also had come from all over the country, and in some cases, all over the world to work in this. this. So really, I, it's my team weren't really made up of, of people from the local area. Um, and um, and there's a lot of that industry is still there in Bath today. I mean, Future Publishing is still there. I work for Steel Media now. We're, um, our headquarters is in Bath. Um, the Many people who used to work at Future left and formed their own companies. You know, they became entrepreneurs. Um, there are I mean, there's some games companies in the area. Fun Games is based not, not far away. Oh. And so there's a lot of people around Bath itself, which is a great tourist destination, by the way. You can go into Bath and you won't hear a local Bath accent because people have traveled from all over. So a lot of the people that I do business with... Is it a little bit like Brighton or...? Um, it's a little bit smaller than Brighton and it's a little bit... Um, it's inland. So, I, I mean, you've been to Brighton probably for the Develop Conference, I imagine, in July. Is, is there. I, I like Brighton. Brighton's obviously by the coast. It's by the seaside. Um, Bath is a little bit smaller. It's about an hour away from the coast. but And Bath's um, big... Uh, attraction is uh, its architecture. It was it was a ro- it was a Roman city originally, but it got made over in the 18th century, and now it's got these very grand buildings. Did you ever see like a Netflix show called Bridgerton? Um, anyway, that was all filmed around Bath. One episode. Uh, uh, yeah, we get we get a lot of historical drama is filmed in Bath. They filmed that most recent Dracula um, mm. TV mm. movie was filmed mm, right okay. here. There's um, uh, I think some of you know Wonka, the movie that was just in the cinema um, about the uh, Willy Wonka when he was when he was young. Uh, that some of that was filmed in Bath, and then so it's it's often a filming destination because it's got these very kind of grand stone buildings. Okay, so it's actually a preferred setup for uh, for for movies, yeah, exactly. historical movies. Okay, exactly, exactly. Okay, it's it's interesting. You know, I I have to admit, I know very little about UK. I, I don't know for whatever reason I travel. Well, in in the past, I was traveling to London often. Right. Now I don't anymore. But and it was always London. And then there was there is only one little window of my past where um, I was working uh, back in the days at Stronic, and I, uh, we had the, an office in um, what is it called where, where there is the uh, the studios the TV studios um, outside London. Um, oh, uh, there, there's the, where they record like all the all the TV shows and. Uh, Oh, we'll come on. It's Pinewood Studios. Pinewood, Pinewood, exactly. Yeah, Pinewood, that. yeah, Pinewood yeah, Studios. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the one, right? I don't know. Like, I had it yeah. before at the moment I started talking, and then I, it, it slipped off my mind. And, um, no, Pinewood's, Pinewood's very famous. They do a lot of TV and film work now. Well, a lot of that. And actually, uh, so I stayed there for, for a full two weeks. And that was beautiful because I was helping the team there. Uh, we had the problem with uh, with the game. We didn't manage to launch the, the game on a... I think when there was in the PS3, PS4, back in PS3, I think uh, back in the days. So I 
spent there two weeks and we were we, we managed to do that and it was really nice um but it was like it, it, it was a little bit outside of london so every morning i had to commute that was not a problem and i met ricky gervais for my for the first time in my life but i was <laughs> not i was David not Brent. his fan i was not his fan <laughs> so i met him i remember they said oh he's very famous it's like yeah okay whatever <laughs> okay whatever hey mr dave yeah. number five yeah, exactly. for me was like that you know and then like yeah. years later i started becoming his fan and now i feel like oh my god and so we sat yeah. at the same table eating at the pinewood studios there uh there was a canteen so i sat with wow. him for 45 minutes not knowing who he was and now i regret <laughs> it yeah hello how cool yeah that's that's very exciting could you mind me asking where, whereabouts in italy are you from originally where's where's your hometown Torino. So Torino or Turin is in the northwest, very close to France, to the point that our dialect has a lot of French influence. So there is a dialect uh, in that region and together with, with Valle d'Aosta is called Patois. Uh, yeah. more for Valle d'Aosta but even our dialect is like a lot of a lot of influence and even when we don't use the dialect we use a lot of so for in Italy people make fun of us because we use the word voila very often whenever voila. something is like <laughs> voila there you go and here it is voila there you go and people make make fun of us because we use French words and uh, uh-huh. when when you hear the the dialect it sounds very much it sounds closer to French than uh, than than to, than to Italian so it's a beauty and Torino is a beautiful city because it was the first capital of Italy right and so there are lots of royal palaces castle there is a castle in literally a castle in the middle of the main square like and you go to the main square and there is a castle in it and, and <laughs> it's, it's it's really nice it's, it's really super nice but we are known to be a little bit stiff um yes but just you know as opposed to the typical italian cliche of like <laughs> we are like you know known to be a little bit more you know like so yes like i like to say sophisticated but they don't like, use that yeah. word but they don't use that word hey, well like, you know I, i'm i'm british and and we're kind of famous for being more stiff by by, by nature you know i um i'm a a great lover of, of france actually i have been to italy many times but france is a because it's go. so close to the uk as well i've been many times and i i um uh i spent some time in in, in paris i love that city and I actually i went to a language school there for a little bit to learn some french and um i remember on my first day uh, we all had to introduce ourselves, and I said, "I'm from England," you know, just uh, sweet old way kind of thing. And and um, I remember the uh, the the teacher turned to the class and and went, "Angleterre, il est très réservé." And I went, well, that, that's, "That's how you think straight away. You've just decided I'm reserved. That's that's the uh, that's the thing." But that's I guess that's what we're famous for, right? Il est très réservé. Il est très réservé. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, and I okay, so like we're nicely said that's one of the questions that i had for you right mm. so let's let's do that uh let's do that right okay. away why paris <laughs> i mean for for, for the for, for our listener um dave is in love with paris he spent time in <laughs> paris he has a passion for paris and you, you just what, where so i want to know when did it start why who did you meet there that made me? No, no, no. Like, it has to be something like that. I mean, it's a beautiful city, but I have, I, I love more other type of cities. So please tell me. 
Yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's, I'm grateful for the question because, yeah, I, I, I let you know that I, I, I like Paris a lot. So, I mean, remember, I'm from London originally, and Paris is uh, is actually not that far from from, uh, from London. Remember, it's quite easy to get to um, to France from where we are, especially now with Eurostar. But when I grew up, that that wasn't there. But but um, but since Eurostar's come along, it's so easy to get to France. But I, you know, I honestly, it was the first place. Uh, outside of the UK that I visited, so it's got that connection for me in my mind. You know, it's 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 um, it's the first vision I had of a of a wider world. Um, uh, and because when you grow up in uh, in the UK as well, and maybe your listeners overseas don't know this, but uh, the, you're taught French at school in the UK. It's a part of the curriculum is, is to learn French in school. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it varies from country to country. I know in, a, in America, perhaps you're more likely to learn Spanish or, or so on. But in, in, in Britain, particularly in, in, in England, you, you learn French. So uh, I had a little bit of the language already. And, uh, and I, uh, and so it was, you know, it was, it was, it felt very, very open and welcoming to me. And I've been back many times and, and, you know, it's, I, I take every opportunity to go there, but I, I think it's just a very beautiful city. I think it's one of those places that, um, Wherever you are, you can lift up your eyes and be inspired by something. And maybe oh, yeah. that's a piece of architecture, or maybe it's a beautiful park, or you know, maybe it's something from history, or you know, it's there's there's so much to kind of look around and, and, and see that, that that kind of lifts your spirits. But also, I, I like the, the the culture as well. Like you know, I, it's it's a place where. Um, so I, th- I I think in the UK, if you kind of just said. Hey, I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm just going to go for a walk this afternoon. What are you going to do today? I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm just going to walk around town. People will think you're a bit crazy. Like, okay, and you go, well, where are you going to go? No, I'm not going to. I'm just going to walk, right? But in but in Paris, people, yeah, I'm going to walk around the boulevards. People, okay, fine. You know, you maybe go to a, get a, get a coffee and then just keep. So there's a real. I think there's a kind of a kind of slightly more relaxed sense about Paris than there is in London. You can sort of uh, explore at your own pace and kind of you know. Uh, Walk the city and stop. And if if you stop in a coffee shop and drink a you know drink a coffee for an hour, that's fine. People do that, but less so you know less so in the UK. I think you've always got to have a bit of purpose around here, and and so it's nice to take your you know take the different pace of life. I think that. that and I, I, by the way, I appreciate that Paris is faster even than you know you go elsewhere, the south of France or in other other villages and things. But compared to, I think compared to London, it's a it's a pace that I prefer. Okay. Well, it's the, you know I, I I I concur with what you were saying, right? Paris is magical. Uh, there are few cities like that for me, in my opinion. There is a what, what I call like the the, the Trinity, uh, the, the Trinity, right? For me, it's Paris, Rome, Istanbul. These right. cities, yeah, there are. I, I mean, I'm Italian, and uh, the, the beauty of Italy, there, north to south, wherever you stop, whichever city you stop, there is always something to see. It's like there is you know something beautiful to watch. And you know landscape and everything, and and you know you can you can talk about Siena, you can talk about Napoli, you can talk about like everywhere, right? Everywhere, Torino, yeah, Milan, yeah, whatever, Milan, Venezia, whatever. Yeah, Venezia, whatever. But the feeling that you have in Paris, Rome, and Istanbul, I don't feel it everywhere else because it's like as you said, it's, for me, Istanbul is even better than Rome and Paris because it has a charm that uh, you know that I feel when I'm there. It's uh, in in Italian we say something like chaos calmo, which is uh, chaos, like calm chaos. It's right, it's a chaos. Right, that's a great phrase. It's yeah, a chaos great. that makes. I, I was about to swear, but it makes darn sense. It really yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. 
I'm there with, in, in the in, in the taxi, and the taxi driver is going, he's going like like one meter, one meter, beep beep beep, nah, 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 honk, honk, honk. <laughs> and they pass, and there is like the sense of preference is something that does not exist. So like whoever puts the the, the bump, the front bumper first, goes first, and, and <laughs> but it works, and I'm calm there. Well, yeah. another city that I don't have it, and the smells and the experience and negotiating with people and buying it is just magical, and and that's something yeah. I feel only there and then Paris and and, and Rome. Um, but now let's get I, I, no no go on. Those are beautiful. Those are I, I also like Istanbul and Rome are great cities as well for for the reasons you've said. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, they're, they're, and there are other things about. That, that unite all those cities is that as well as being very beautiful places, great architecture, great people, they're also working cities as well. You know, there's, mm. there's something, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot happening there. There's, there's, there's business there. The, there's, there's other things that I, that I really like about, uh, about Paris. And I miss about London because there isn't necessarily the same scene here in, in the outskirts of Bath, because I'm a big, um, uh, I like history. I like a cinema. Um, uh, you know, I've got lots of, lots of passions. And I think the, there's a sentiment about Paris that, that appeals to that. They've got a lot of history, but but also, yeah, like my interest in things like um, films and games. Ah, oh, there's loads of that in Paris. You know, there's there's a museum of cinematography. There's a there's every quarter has an art house cinema in it where you can go and watch classic films. You know, and uh, and I, you know, it's also a, a, a city that that is um, you know it's, uh, it has lots of students in it. So there's lots of you know there's lots of gaming takes place there as well, and, and so so I, I, fi- I find it as well as the the kind of um, that sort of historical uh, way it is, and 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 the pleasure of just kind of walking around and and uh, and the cafe life. Walking around. It's also you know it's a great place to go if you you know have a have a great you know a passion in culture. You know it's a very cultured right city. Right, right. So and and I think that before uh, you were you mentioned about you know going for a walk, you know going for a stroll, yeah. and then you really uh, the, the feeling that you know just turn your head. Right and left, and wherever you go, it's it's nice, and there's this yeah, feeling exactly. of peace, you know, something that exactly. that you know pervades you, and 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 I feel it. But uh, let me do one thing that I normally do with yeah. all of my guests: this piece okay. of AI. Then, unfortunately, for the video, for video editing reason, I'm using a platform that doesn't allow me to do much for it with the video. The audio is much better, but I'm using my phone. And I don't know if you can see here, but it's a Dave Brad- Bradley AI bio. Okay, right? okay, let's do it. So we're yeah, going to do yeah. that and let's see what AI with my clone voice uh, said, which I actually had to re- remake it because I realized that it was not that great. So I just remade it yesterday. Okay. So it's a fresh thing. So let's see. Uh, volume is up. Okay, let's do it. Let's see what it says. Meet Dave Bradley, a distinguished figure in the digital media and gaming industry, whose career is as colorful as his personal passions. With years of experience in content strategy, digital marketing, and team leadership, Dave's professional journey is marked by innovative contributions and a keen eye for storytelling in the digital age. But Dave is not just about pixels and projects. A lifelong science fiction aficionado, he has had the unique pleasure of meeting dozens of Star Trek cast members, including the iconic William Captain Kirk Shatner. This passion for sci-fi is matched by his love for vintage computing. His first encounter with a ZX Spectrum in the 1980s sparked his desire to carve out a career in the games industry, turning childhood fascination into professional ambition. Beyond the screen, Dave finds joy in the simpler things. He shares his home perched up a hill in rural England with a couple of cats, who are no doubt 
as charmed by his endeavors as his colleagues. His love for coffee is perhaps only rivaled by his affection for Paris, a city that captures his heart as his favorite. Despite his quaint English countryside setting, Dave Bradley's life is a tapestry of professional achievements and personal hobbies, from digital media to the final frontier of space, from the early days of computing to serene moments in Parisian cafes. His story is a reminder of how personal interests shape our professional journeys, making Dave a truly inspiring figure in the industry and beyond. Oh, lovely. Very cool. Well, I appreciate that. That's that, that's 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 it. Uh, the final frontier. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a pretty that's a pretty good version of your voice, actually. That the AI has captured there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I had you know <clears throat> the last the last the first version was okay. This one is better. I had to to record for more than than one hour. That mm -hmm. I did it with wow. more you know more acting style, and so like mm -hmm. it sounds much better. But it's good. No. It's yeah. It's very good. Very very good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. God, AI AI's got crazy good recently i mean i'm i'm fascinated by that whole that whole that whole area i mean i know that i'm uh you know i i enjoy history and as you say nostalgia are very true but i do keep my eye on the future and i think ai is just fascinating what it's been doing hold your horses because i have so i think that the ai went already through a couple of things that we we heard so countryside then we heard mm -hmm. paris we're already like mm -hmm. touch upon mm -hmm. that but there are a couple of questions that i have for you and so you, you, you just say the word AI, so that's something I want to go um, on, on, on that topic a little bit later on. Great. And then first, you know, this, you know, is not even staged, but I already told, I already told Dave, so just for, that's for everyone, like, I just, I already told Dave, hey, I'm going to give you all the time that you want to convince me about sci-fi. <laughs> about sci-fi. So for, <laughs> for the, the few people that maybe, you know, for, for the people that know me, you know, I, I, I am the, the, the worst sci-fi fan in the sense I don't mm -hmm. like sci-fi as well as fantasy, right? This is the thing. But I come from a poor family where, so I kind of have, I'm rooted into reality and all the things that I can touch and experience, right? So I, that's that's a that's a problem that I have from, you know, but just, I don't, and, and I have, I'm able to be jealous of people having this passion for fantasy because for example, Game of Thrones, People mm. loved it, and it was a, a like a global thing. And right. I have given it three goes. Once with one episode, <laughs> I found it horrible. Once with four episodes, I found them horrible. Once with the whole first season, I found it horrible. I just don't <laughs> get into it, right? Oh, and gosh. so now I'm gonna give you the chance to tell <laughs> me about sci-fi. Yeah. And tell me, so why did you get into it? What What's like, it's something you have since you were a little child or? Yeah, right, yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't remember the exact point that I got into science fiction. I mean, maybe my, my parents were into it, but I've, I've always liked the, the genre. Uh, fantasy as well, science fiction and fantasy. But I've, no, as far as I'm aware, I mean, I very much remember um, being into science fiction when I was a kid. I mean, I guess I'm the, the exact perfect age. I remember going to see Star Wars, the very first Star Wars, at the cinema in the 1970s. So I guess, and I must have been very young, by the way, so that probably had a had a profound uh, effect on me. But yeah, I mean, the thing to remember about science fiction for me is um, that 
that, oh, oh, I should say, by the way, again, I turned it into a career. I was the editor of a pretty big science fiction magazine for 10 years. So, um, yeah. so I was able, and I, I think this is a, a you know, I, something I keep coming back to is a lot of my, my passions that I've grown up with, I, I was able to turn into careers and I'm very grateful for that. And so I spent many years working, uh, working in, in the realm of science fiction on a, on a magazine called SFX, which actually I still write for, um, uh, most months actually. Uh, they, uh, they, they let me write, write for them from, uh, uh, from time to time doing reviews and things like that. So, uh, so SFX magazine. But when I was a kid, yeah, I love science fiction. But but let, let me let me tell you, I think there's a, there's a couple of things where I I think that science fiction is relevant to everyone. I think it's an important part of our culture. I think it's something that that that, um, that has something for everyone. I appreciate you know that your um, you, what you said. But let, let me let me see if I can convince you. I mean, the first thing to, to bear in mind is that what you define as science fiction like i have a pretty broad definition of it so you say science fiction maybe in your head you're thinking star trek or star wars or you know or iron man or yes something, or, yes exactly you know, uh, and, um but but i want to just say first of all like science fiction uh is a very very broad uh, uh broad definition i think that you could say that 1984 is science fiction i think you could say that the handmaid's tale is science fiction i think you could say that gulliver's travels has elements of science fiction in it frankenstein for instance science fiction. so there's some real classic you know storytelling in in, in there um i think it depends so you, on how you, you define wait, science fiction. Well, allow, allow me to, to so you said 1984 yeah. you consider a sci-fi because that's one of the top three books for me in my entire life Right, you see, this is it. This is this is the this is the point. I, mean, I think that I think a lot of people. I think how you define science fiction is important, and I can see why you, you would not. But I can also see that um, that you can because remember, it's, it's set in a at the time in a, in a in a future. You know, it's set um, uh, forty years in the future when it was written. But, um, it's uh, it's a world that is not quite the same. It's extrapolated from where the world are to make a political point. But it's but it's it's, it's you know it's set in the future. There's, they had technology in that story that wasn't available at the time so you could argue that in many perhaps not all uh, definitions but certain categories you could argue 1984 has some of the definitions of science fiction in it but the um but more to the point i think that's interesting there is that for me science fiction can be pure escapism and i don't want to be negative about that like escapism has some value and i i, you know, I could talk about that too but science fiction, it doesn't just have to be rocket ships and ray guns and robots. It can also be about looking at our world, like projecting it a little bit into the future, a long way into the future or whatever, and telling stories that are pushing boundaries and pushing concerns and and um, and, uh, and problems that we have to an extreme in order to explore those those topics. And, and you know, 1984 is a great example. You know, it's... It's an opportunity to look into the future and, and, and just see what what's you know how that society might evolve. But equally, the same could be true of The Handmaid's Tale. But then you know, if you think about it, just taking away from those particular stories, if you wanted to tell a story about loneliness, say, I mean, what could be more lonely than being the last man alive? So once you get into that space, then you're talking about that would probably be pitched to you as a science fiction film. But that's actually like a very human thing, but just like pushed to the, its extreme in order to tell that story. So I think, and I think science fiction is, is very, very good at that. So even when you have um, settings and stories and TV shows that are very fantastical, very, you know, great action stories too. Like, let me take Star Trek, for instance. Star Trek, I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek. And it's got, you know, it's got some great action scenes in it. It's very, lots of escapist. It's great. There's a sense of wonder, right? And I, that's, that's, this is all about What's escape? But also. What's escape? Well, how would oh, 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 so escape? Yeah, so I, by by escapism, I mean it's um, 
uh, it's just a chance to escape your 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 own life. So I think there's there's um, okay. yeah. uh, you know I think I think things like science fiction and fantasy do provide an opportunity for people. Maybe it's just you know they have a you know they have a boring job or they have problems at home or whatever, and they can go to the cinema and they can just live in you know they can you know, in a world of wonder and they can just escape their own lives for two hours and live in you know the Lord of the Rings like, or something like, like video games do as well. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it can be a very pleasant fantasy to, to take you out of your world, and that's what I mean by escapism. But I think it can be. I think that although that's that has value, I think there's more to it than just that. And Star Trek's a great example of this because, sure, you know, it's you can have your your daily life and you can sit down and for a short period you can be transported to another planet and what a sense of wonder at the exploration of the universe and there's maybe some fun action scenes and pew pew you know they shoot the phases at each other but but in that environment star trek was able to tell just incredible meaningful stories that you would be very hard to tell um uh, in in something more naturalistic and i'll give you an example remember star trek in the 60s was able to tackle civil rights and racism in a way that was actually really hard to tell in or you know let's say in realistic stories some you weren't realistic because perhaps the censors didn't appreciate it or perhaps because people you know would be turned off by that but then star trek comes along and it's it's on a spaceship and there's you know and there's phasers and planets and Star Trek features the first interracial kiss on American TV between Captain Kirk and, and really? Uhuru. You know, they pushed the boundary there. Yeah, and uh, um, and that's an incredible thing to do. They, you know, they they had stories about visiting planets where those planets would, uh, you know, be be under the grip of fascism, or they'd be, um, you know, or they'd have their problems with uh, with, with plague or racism and all these things. And and Star Trek could explore those stories in a kind of way that maybe it's always sort of disguised it you know kids will watch this the show and kind of go oh this you know it's it's fun right there's this spaceman but it's it's making some really serious points and i think that's science fiction can do that very well and i think you know we mentioned 1984 there and perhaps that stretches the definition of science fiction but great science fiction you know is is very good at telling these kind of stories and making you think and and even uh, you know uh, i think it, i appreciate that it would be hard for me to to tell you what if Star Wars had some great metaphor I don't think it does I think Star, Star Wars is just kind of fun but you know there, there, there are plenty of examples of, uh, of, of science fiction that does ex- you know exa- allow you to examine life I think in a, in a more profound way I mean uh, there's a TV show right now on Apple called uh, For All Mankind right and it's about the space race but uh, but it's, it's about the space race but in a parallel world where uh, Russia got to the moon before America Okay. And, um, but the interesting thing about that, even though, you know, there are like dramatic moments in space as, you know, people try to fix spacecraft that run, people die on the, you know, in, in, uh, it's burning up, coming back to the earth, or, you know, or, or they struggle on the moon, or there's, there's fighting and it's all political intrigue. But the interesting thing is that kind of story allows us to ask ourselves questions like, what if? Well, you know, what, what, how much of our culture is dependent on, you know, on on history and what happened and exploring alternative histories, I think it raises some really interesting questions. So you can have in science fiction something that is both fun and full of that sense of wonder and kind of quite exciting. And at the same time is also maybe in the back of your mind, get us asking you to sort of challenge your perception and, and you know, and, 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 and think about other ways that the United States could have gone in, in the example of that TV show. So I think that that science fiction can be a great metaphor as well, I guess, is, is there. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's lots to offer. I, 
but I, I do say, you know, I, I, I love a good, uh, a good spectacle and, and a good, uh, a good fantasy for itself, just as, as something that you know that, that, that's that's a great escapism. But I think that I, the argument I would make is that I think I could come up with some examples of science fiction that that are telling profound stories and that are, that are challenging, and they're doing it in a way that maybe is illustrated better because it's pushed to the extreme that science fiction allows you to do. Yeah. Well, well, you did an excellent job. I, you know, while, while you were talking, especially when you're talking yeah. about Star Trek, you know, it, it yeah. made me feel like, huh, maybe, maybe, Pietro, yeah. you should give it a go, <laughs> like a little bit more. Um, there is one thing that I, I, I watched in the past and I just yeah. did it for, um, it was Star Wars, right? Um, right. I, once again, it was the same as with, uh, um, with, with um, Games of Thrones. And uh, I, I think I tried to watch uh, Star Wars a couple of times, never really liked it. And then for love, uh, I decided because like my girlfriend at the time, she was like, she loved Star Wars and the new Star Wars uh, 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 film was coming, was coming to the cinema. And then I decided that I would spend the whole weekend, uh, well, she, she was not there, so I spent the whole weekend watching all the Star Wars movies. So, and then give her a present like tickets to go on Monday to watch the new movie and 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 that's you know what? Romantic, yeah. when at some point I started feeling when I knew the whole story how is it and then I started yeah. kind of liking it uh so <laughs> and, and now you did a very good job and it makes me feel like maybe I just I just should uh, you know give it more of a go and things the, the my, my problem is especially with the, with the modern one I don't know the one that you said before that there was something on on Apple um yeah right. uh, for, for all mankind it's, yeah it's, it's it's the excessive drama that now they try to put right. to make it super to make this huge cliffhanger that you go there from what episode one to right. episode right. and and then maybe I, I would rather think I would rather like something that'd be more philosophical or even calm and gotcha. I don't need the big you know the big things yeah. um, so uh, for example what the we were no, talking no, that's the Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was saying that 1984, for example, at the end of right. 1984, when there's this big conversation within between the the savage and what was called the Muhammad something. I don't remember exactly the name of this like superior entity. They had this conversation that last like pages and pages and pages. Is one of the most beautiful um, uh, texts that I've ever read in my life. It's right. inspiring. You can, I, I think, at least like every six months, I just go there and just reread it. Um, it's beautiful, but yeah, and, and that's amazing. Yeah, you were you wanted to say something though, like oh no, just just the, the point about about that. I I think that there's um, definitely there's there's some uh, modern uh, TV and film that is, to you to point is overly dramatic. It has the, the the cliffhanger that you know that sensational thing about it. But one of the interesting um, anecdotes that, that I've got is I um, when they created the, uh, some new Star Trek in 2009, they they made um, Star Trek for the for the big screen um, with a kind of a reboot and a new look and it was directed by J.J. Abrams and actually I so I went to um, uh, I was working on SFX magazine there and I went to a, a session with J.J. Abrams I, I I met him but he also gave a talk to the room about about what he wanted to do and one of the things he said was like he said when, if, when he first encountered Star Trek he said it was just people standing around talking to each other he said I didn't think it was dramatic enough and I, and I said 
But that's the, that's kind of the that's the point. That's what I like about it. You know, it's 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 set in the, the future, but it's there's lots of there's lots of conversation. There's there's you know there's there's lots of you know talk, people talking to each other and, and working things out. Uh, that's beautiful in, uh, by, by communication. So yeah, so um, I think that is true of, of, of Star Trek at, at its best. The films that he made actually are much more action packed, and I I you know, I enjoy them for what they are, but I I think it's to its detriment. I prefer Star Trek when it is. Maybe just a conversation with two people, you know, working. Some yeah, no, absolutely. And then, and, and then, like, I, um, so at this point, since we, you know, talking about sci-fi, then I need to ask you that question, right? About AI. Of course, I don't think we need to. Uh, we we have we're still like going to show that this uh, limited time, but there is this. Um, I, I'm very much into into studying and understanding AI and try to apply it to my daily working routine. I try to understand how I can make it go uh, through like new, new at least trying to reach new things that normally I wouldn't be able to yeah. to do. And I'm falling a little, or slightly falling in love with this because like um, while there is a lot of desperation for uh, for the fact that AI is gonna take all our words and etc cetera, etc. Cetera, at least for the moment being I am optimistic uh, because I, I I believe it's it's a, it's a great enhancement to our daily life so we can do much better but I don't think it's a replacement or at least for the moment being right then in five years you know we're all out no more no more Pietro doing <laughs> my name is Mario because they're gonna be an animated Pietro perfectly like and, and then I still hope I will uh <laughs> there will be like my face you know like uh an AI face but, so but I have I have at least confidence it's gonna be it's gonna right. be great uh and I want to know it's always it's something I want to ask people what do you think especially you're a sci-fi purist and uh and and, and aficionado so how do you how do you see AI taking over the world yes no i love it i don't love it tell me something about that yeah that's i, I think ai is such a, a fascinating topic and there's there's so much going on with that so i i like you i remain not optimistic not just about this i i i'm a technophile at heart i like i you know i i find um uh, technology fascinating and i'd like to believe that it can enhance our lives rather than make things worse and you know i um uh i i i understand the fear that people have about AI replacing them, and I, I think there probably are some sectors where that's already starting to, 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 to creep in, and that there's, you know, um, uh, um, but I think there's, you should remain very optimistic about it, and I think there's some interesting things about the current, the, the state of AI at the moment. I mean, firstly, there are, there are definitely questions about both the ethics of where we get um, the, the data from that it's trained on and the output and what we do with that and what that means for, for copyright and all sorts of things. But I, I think that's a conversation that we are having and I think that it's important we have those conversations and we will have those conversations and I and I, and I already see them happening. So um, so, so that's a good thing. And, and uh, the fact that, that, it, that, that those conversations are, are, are taking place and that, that perhaps legislators are, 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 will be interested or at the very least the technology industry is interested in is good. But actually just fundamentally just looking at what it is, I, I think that natural language processing, right, the ability to communicate with our technology using natural informal language, the ability to interrogate our own data conversationally is very powerful, right? It's very powerful. And I think that um, when you look at science fiction, um, let's say things like, let's say Star Trek, always 
they communicate with their ship and their computer and their robots using just language, right? And there's a, a and there's a reason why that is. A, well, firstly, it's, a, it's more dramatic. <laughs> it's not it's not fun to watch people type, but um, but um, but also you know there's a reason that humans like to communicate that way, and and you know I, I and, and so I think I absolutely can see uh, you know a future where we we communicate with the tools around us using naturalistic language, and I think that's that's you know that's. Yeah, it has profound implications for things like accessibility. I mean, I think you know, um, dyslexia, for instance, is a is a very real thing, and 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 but um, and and can be limiting. But the fact that you can communicate with a um, increasingly, you can communicate with a computer uh, with your voice, and the computer understands what you want, and it can even you know format a letter with the you even happen to type, can be very useful for you know for for accessibility reasons. But you know, it, it, extrapolating things further. Um, uh, you know, I, I I do I do read a lot of science fiction, and science fiction likes to likes to predict the end of the world, and that oh, as soon as you develop AI, it's going to be the Terminator, right? And I I uh, I don't think that's that's likely. I think that you know I I I, uh, I mean I don't think it's impossible, but you know I think that um, the the uh, the humans already think about how how to align. I think it's a long way off. Uh, I don't think that the, the AI we're talking about now is even remotely sentient. We're talking basically we're talking about you know a, a, a you know, a, a sophisticated spell checker, really. You know, large language models that that are um, uh, that, that are good at predicting, very good at predicting. Um, I, I don't think they're suddenly going to rise up and take over. But also, we're already having those ethical conversations. The fact that we we the fact that we work a lot of these anxieties out in science fiction, and then we have the conversation about uh, about technical alignment and so on, is is I think very valuable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, AI. We I should say at, at uh, Pocket Gamer. We absolutely do not use AI to generate any of our content, right? I should say that because it's important that I think that, you know, that human journalists and uh, human content creators are involved in the process. That's very important to us. But but the AI tools that are available now, I, I think that they're, you know, I'll give you an example. We, um, uh, again, I have a lot of unstructured data of my own, right? You know, it's um, uh, feedback from events or interviews and things that I've done. And the, the ability to have... Uh, a, a tool on your computer that can can read that and, and interpret it using natural language. I mean, just the possibilities are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, so you know what? I was <laughs> sorry. It has nothing to do with what you just yeah. said, and I'm gonna. Go, but I yeah, realized no. that while I was taking notes, uh, well, uh, hey, you've there got you got a go. Gamer Connect. So for the people, that, yeah. the people that are gonna yeah, listen yeah. on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, yeah. I'm. I realized that I have a little notebook. Uh, from from Pocket Gamer Connects, I think this yeah. one I got it either in Helsinki or in London. Um, yeah, we gave them, we gave those books away again. This see, this London, we just they had work. A, 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 they work. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. I, 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 money people, was spent. People still need, yeah, people still need notebooks. Those things are really useful. Yeah, yeah. Is the um, is that just hold that one up again for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Yeah, because I, I see the logo on the front. I think that's a. Uh, there you go. Yeah, look at look at that. That's got the um, that's got a little tenth anniversary. So it, it's uh, from London, logo, right? Because oh, it's this yeah. year. It's this year, twenty twenty four. Is the is uh, is is ten years? We did our first ever event in uh, in twenty fourteen in London and Helsinki, and that's it. You've, we've we've given a lot of those out, but you've got one that's got the little ten badge on it there. Exactly, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's the years of celebration. Also, the company I work for PTW. It's uh, this year yeah. is the thirtieth. 
uh, years wow. that we are present in the in the industry. Yes, exactly. Nice. And nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we have like a little bit like few few celebrations. Uh, there is very little to celebrate, unfortunately, in our industry currently. So you know you can't. But 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 at least for us is a is an achievement. It's really nice. But um, Pocket Gamer Steel Media, uh, you are COO, correct? Or Steel Media? Right, correct. That's my job title. Yeah, that's it. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's it. What's what, what does it mean being CEO of, of of Steel Media nowadays? Yeah, that's a, that's you know, that's a great question. I the, the the term CEO is a chief chief operations officer. Yeah. It varies from company to company. Exactly. You know, and <laughs> it does, and it's it's one of those roles that is a kind of adapts to suit what the senior leadership team need and and depending on what the you know the the needs of the CEO and and, and so on the, the COO at a company will often have different roles here uh, so my background is in uh, is in media right I was a journalist and an editor uh, and a publisher for many years and uh, and that's that's the the background and the skill set that I bring to the, the company pocket gamer steel media which is the the company that operates pocket gamer is um, in web publishing we have a, we have about 10 websites uh, for and about the games industry and we run the, the events um, most famously Puppet Gamer Connects but a couple of other smaller ones the mobile games awards is ours as well so uh, we have those I I basically work day to day to um, help turn the senior team's strategy into tactics if you like that's that's what I do so make 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 their vision come to life by managing the teams at that level and primarily I, I work with um, the, the the event marketing team, the event content planning team, and the editorial team. I mean, I have meetings with other folks too. I I don't get so involved in the sales side of things. We've got some very, very experienced, talented salespeople, and and that's not my background. So I have weekly meetings with them, but but but, um, but I'm not very hands on. But but I spend most of my time working on. Um, if I was to draw your little pie chart of where my time goes, most of it is about ticket sales for events these days. Actually, okay. so we're quite a small team, really. I mean. Um, Pocket Gamer Steel Media um, is part of Enthusiast Gaming, which is a pretty big uh, um, North American uh, network, actually. Um, Enthusiast Gaming uh, owns esports teams like Luminosity. It has a big advertising network. It, it, it manages a bunch of content creators. It, it's, uh, it runs events like EGLX, and um, it has some media outlets like The Sims Resource is huge. So there's the, the biggest Sims community in the world is, is run by Enthusiast Gaming. And we're kind of their um, uh, B2B and, and, and mobile uh, wing. Um, we've been part of that group since 2019, but um, but Steel Media itself, the Pocket Gamer team, is actually kind of pretty small. I mean, maybe when we all get together um, in one place, there might be 50 of us, something like that. So everyone um, everyone gets involved, uh, is very hands-on with things. So um, I my time uh, from day to day is lots of meetings, lots of meetings with the, with the senior team. Um, and then working very closely with the you know the, the event team but i also you know when we have our events i'm on stage comparing yeah. you know comparing activities or hosting panels i'm you know i'm doing what needs to be done to to get the uh, to get the events out um uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun i uh, the um the one thing I, I i miss about this role and it's been years decades since i did this is i originally was a a magazine journalist and um, this is something you and I uh, mentioned before. Yeah. But I got into um, uh, into the games industry because I, in the 1980s, played games as a as a kid. Right. I had a ZX Spectrum. 
your AI voice mentioned that just there. So I had a, a Sinclair Spectrum, loved it. I read all the magazines around it at the time, I remember there was no, uh, well, internet was very rudimentary, but there was no social media. So the way you found out about new games was that you realized there was a community which you were reading magazines. And I loved that and I wanted to get into that business. So when I started out, I was a writer and a magazine journalist and an, and, and an editor. And I don't do that so much anymore. I don't do that. So I kind of miss that. I kind of miss writing about my favorite topics. But, um, but you know, I, um, I, I take a bit of a, you know, a chance to do that, do that when I can. I still write a little bit, but, um, but not in my not in my day to day. How much work there is behind um, pre like preparing an event and working on an event like PGC uh, for ignorant people like me? Uh, it, it all seems so kind of straightforward from the outside world, right? Or at least maybe other people have more experience than I have. I don't have experience in, in uh, working on events. So for me, it looks like, oh, okay, how much work there is behind that? Oh, this, it, it's a lot. We, we joke that it's, it's like when you see a duck on a pond, isn't it? You know, the, the, the duck is kind of moving around quite serenely, but under the surface, the legs are kind of going really fast and flapping away. There's, so there's a lot of activity happening behind the scenes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, there's things like, um, I mean, we're very lucky. We have a, a logistics team um, uh, headed up by uh, Evangeline. We have a, um, a creative director, Jez, who, who works on, on the, uh, all the material that we, that we produce. Um, we have a sales team I mentioned this yes. uh, headed by Lisa. There's there's all the kind of there's things that you don't think of. We have to book um, the uh, just little things. You know, you got to book the venue, but someone's got to book all the microphones and you know and, and the, the audio visual and and kind of put up the posters and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of activity. Um, it's it is most of my time. Um, the Pocket Gamer started out as a website about mobile games. Yeah, most of. Um, most of the the activity day to day is about making the events happen because there's so many moving parts. I mean, even just well, I mean, right now we're um, you know investigating potential future uh, new venues for uh, for Pocket Gamer Connects London because it's grown to a size, and and that in itself is you know is a is a is a whole job in itself. You know, like venue scouting. Um, if so there's, there's if you need help negotiating with some Italian cities, there are not enough. <laughs> there, there are not enough uh, events conferences in Italy. Let's Now that's a really good point. Why? Really good point, Why? Yeah. I mean, Why? Rome, okay. people will flock yeah. to Rome just because Rome is Rome and then I can stay two, three days with my family, bring right. my family. Right. Rome. Great destination, yeah. Milano, of course, is the core of the Italian business, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. also that's fantastic. But, you know, if you really want to attract more, Rome or, I mean, I, I, I love Torino. Torino is also fantastic, but people will be attracted to Rome, Napoli, uh, Torino, Venice, no, because Venice now you also need to pay even, you, I don't know if you heard it and now you need to book it in advance and you need to pay right. your interest. Okay. It's, oh, wow. it's at least over for now, they're trying like an experimental thing. So while only during the weekend, so from now, if you want to go to Venice, on a Saturday, you need to book it in advance and you need to pay five euros. And they want to wow. kind of to push back that one day tourism that is destroying the city. And I 100% support it because like the litter that they leave is not as a normal city. Like it's just like, right. it's, it's too expensive to just simply clean up the streets every day uh, from from what tourists, including myself, leave, right? So it's, I, I think, I think is a, is, is a good method. And yeah, that's, doing, that's, that's a good initiative, yeah. Yes, but oh, there are, of course, other things, right? If you go for a whole week, 
then you don't need to pay. If you go, I think also you don't need to pay if you stay in some uh, like, you know, hotels, right? So they also want to finance that, right? If you stay in an Airbnb, like then, then it's a different story. But if it's a proper uh, uh, receptive structure, as they call it, in it or receptive structure uh, receptiva, then you can, then you don't pay. And I think it's all, it, it all makes sense. To me, it really makes yeah. sense. Just to discourage that kind of, as you say, the day tripper that swoops in, descend all these people descend on the city in one go, kind of trash it and then leave and and without contributing to the life of the city. Kind of. It's the stadium effect, right? It's called yeah. the stadium effect. Yeah, yeah. Like you go, you litter, you leave. You know there are people cleaning. Um, but well, anyway, if you if you if you need help, like negotiating with some Thank Italian you, yeah, venues, I can go there. I can I can no, bring well, that's, my, that's interesting. I can bring my big we friends, should... you know. That's negative. <laughs> you know, no, like... we, we you know we we are, we are always looking at new places to, to to be. We we started working in the um in the Middle East a little bit actually. So we, mm. we do an event in um in, in Jordan every year. We're about to do an event in uh, Dubai in May. Dubai, It'll yeah, be the second yeah. time we've done that. So we've moved into the into the Middle East a little bit. Um, obviously Helsinki is still really big for us. Um, uh, and yeah, we're always looking at new places. I know that um. Uh, we've had conversations about whether we should do more events in Asia. That, that would be something we should look at. But yeah, there's, there's uh, hey, I should pitch an event in Paris, right? That should be my uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yes, but yes. But, um, but, uh, but but you know, it's, it's, that's a really interesting point. You know, that's it. Um, uh, there's you know, Spain has a, has its you know, particularly in, in Barcelona and in, in the south has has events. But yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I'll put that in mind. You know, it, it, there's, there's always the wow effect that attracts people, and people yeah. just want to do yeah. it. And yeah. so I. I think that you're gonna get a lot of especially because there is nothing i think there is also milan games week and right. then there are some very very local events here and there but the, nothing that really attracts any no any any real interest like a pgc role um, especially hey it's your tenure you need to do it grand it has to be a role <laughs> it has to be a role uh, the uh, Rome's, Rome's a beautiful city. I mean, it's got all the history as well, you know, which which is great. But you're right about about places being destinations where people want to travel to. I think that's you know that's one of the values of, of London that we have. Um, although it's pretty kind of poor weather in January, but but it's but it's a it's a great destination. I uh, have you ever been to? Um, it's not one of our events, but develop the um, the event that takes place in Croatia. Um, the reboots, reboot, reboot. Oh yes, you see, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the same feeling. People go there uh, and yeah. take their their wives, their kids, and then they just stay exactly. for a little bit. And they're smart because they also put it on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you yeah. can go like on a Friday, do a whole weekend. And I think is a is a exactly. is a great idea. This is the same effect. And I'm gonna go there also yeah. this year. So if anyone is listening and you wanna meet me and have a chat, like drinking also like a beer I'm, I'm available for for everything so uh, are you gonna be there uh, I, maybe I, I have been before I haven't I haven't made plans for this year yet but you know we're we're um, we're good friends with the folk who run uh, reboot and yeah. we've been media partners of theirs before we help promote each other's events and yeah I went in a in a previous year as you say what a perfect idea you know to go to Dubrovnik for a few days it's this lovely and, and I think that um that that's a you know that's a, an attraction of someone like Istanbul. We were talking about Istanbul, and there are some great great events that take place there too. Absolutely. I hope that um, you know we can. Oh well, you know we do this event in um, in Jordan in in partnership with the um, the KA the, the King Abdullah Fund for Development and uh, Maisel Warden, and the Jordan event. Um, People stick around, and the day after the event, we go to Petra in the desert. You know the beautiful uh, mm. architecture in the desert. Uh, 
some people know it from the Indiana Jones movie, but it's the one where it's the, the, it's carved out of the rock face. You know, yeah, it, yeah, very beautiful. So, and that's a chance, you know, and if people take the opportunity to come to the conference for a couple of days, do some business, and then okay, let's have a let's have a day on the road and go and see some amazing history. Oh, oh my God, that's a, a little bit of a dream. Never been to Jordan. Yeah. The, the only time I want, so uh, I was living in um, uh, in Turkey in the year 2003. Uh, wow. 2002, 2003, in a, in a city called Bursa, which is like 100 kilometers from Istanbul, south, so in the Asian part. And uh, I got um, I got on a bus uh, and I was going there by bus, like it was a whole one day journey from there. And and so the, the plan was to go there to see everything. And actually yeah. we have to go back because the, the bus stopped because they said that it was like a, a, a terroristic attack on the way there. Oh, Sunday. Oh, so I was like, yeah, yay. So, hey. Uh, I know I, I would be very interested in uh, in uh, in coming to Jordan to see PG Connect because PG yeah, Connect PG Connect is fantastic. Um, for my, it, it really is. It really is. It, it's kind of like put together all the people from the mobile industry, especially. Uh, I, I think it. I, I think is well done, well organized. My favorite is always Helsinki. Sorry, London. My favorite is Helsinki. <laughs> Another beautiful city, and that's you know. I, did I? Um... I don't know whether you knew this, but actually when the Pocket Gamer Connect started in 2014, 10 years ago, right at the start, the first suggestion was that we should hold it in Helsinki first. The the idea originally was maybe that Helsinki would be the first city. In the end, it didn't work out and we held London first and Helsinki was the second destination. But always it was a plan to hold an event in Helsinki, right right from from day one. Because, I mean, as well as being a a fantastic city to visit, and, you know, I I can't recommend it enough. It's another beautiful city. It's also... um, the home of so many great games companies. Oh my goodness! I, you know, Don't get me started. I, you know, people, my my listener know already my my passion for Helsinki. I was thinking about moving my family uh, this year to Helsinki. It's just like because of like the, the the situation in the video game industry that I decided, hey, you know, like you know, my my, my family moving everyone and also my wife would have to leave her job and so it's like, oh, maybe it's not the best time of our life to right. move um right. but but helsinki is fantastic and I, I know so many people and that's why maybe also for me it's better than london even though yeah. this was the first year i went to london this was the first oh, okay. year right and it was like really good um, but yeah. Helsinki still has like I don't know I know everyone so when I go there like it's shake hands every three seconds there's a great community is there's a great community spirit there isn't there and I mean I, I think that's true of I think the games industry is, is quite a sociable industry anyway but but and I think one of the things that we do in Pocket Gamer is, is create um, the you know it's you can put a, a word on it and say it's about business networking but actually we, we like to think we create this sort of games industry family you know you kind of see familiar faces and yeah. but Helsinki is just naturally great for that I mean they have like a really hardworking, um, uh, you know, um, uh, IGDA. Uh, there, you know, right. so there's some great support for independent developers. The um, there's a great culture, I think, of knowledge sharing um, out there. So even the biggest companies, I mean, you've got the, like juggernauts like Supercell and Rovio, right? But they're very active in the industry out there, and, and you know, very happy to share their learnings and things. And the beautiful thing is that they are actually sharing with each other their their uh their knowledge and so they organize this local event i think everywhere this happens but we among them it's just like 
that have yeah. this thing where they're, 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 they, they, they love each other, they share it, there yeah. is no, yeah. you know, keeping your garden with fences, but they'd rather, you know, they want yeah. to grow, they want everyone to grow, and it's fantastic. Exactly. Once I was invited even to a, to a local dev, you know, in general, those kind of events where people from, like, the service provider are not allowed at all, you know, keep them <laughs> out, you know, put guards outside, just, but they invited me, and it was really so, and, and they were they were grilling, it was Helsinki, it was in March, or something so it was actually not that, that warm but they were grilling outside and, and and we did like some you know eating uh eating burst or you no know, like or uh, sausages it was really good they're so friendly you know the fiends are yeah, friendly yeah. friendly in general yeah i agree Abs- absolutely i think you've you put your finger on it that's that's exactly it and you're right about um uh about this sense of there not being fences between uh between companies i think I think that everyone who works in the Finnish games industry wants the Finnish games industry to succeed, right? And that's a and that's a you know a sentiment that kind of unites them all. And I, whereas I I think um, uh, that's true, maybe you know el- elsewhere as well, but particularly particularly pronounced in the Finnish games industry. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know I, I think in other maybe in, in, in other places I, I see, for instance, I think the um, uh, the people in the uh, companies in the Middle East want the Middle East to succeed. I see very sort of very similar uh, thing, thing there. But um, other, this is kind of this is, I'm interested in whether you, this is your perception as well. But I think the games industry is just like that generally. I think the games industry wants the games industry to succeed. There's a very you know there's a lot of um, kind of love within the games industry, and I get the impression that maybe in other sectors like perhaps like movies, for instance. It's much more cutthroat, like it's much yes. more competitive. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I can't ever imagine, you know, some of those the, the biggest film companies just like getting together to share, to, you know, to, to to share their knowledge or, or whatever. I, I I sense that it's much more competitive. Whereas in games, I feel like if you go to some of the big games, I'm going to go to GDC in um, in in March. Uh, GDC is always great. We're running our own little um, pocket gamer event there okay. on the 18th and 19th of March. But um, the GDC itself is always worth visiting. And you can just, you know, all the biggest companies are there and they're all, you know, socializing together. And I, and I think that's maybe it's kind of unique to the games industry, perhaps. It is. It is. It is because like I also, I, the, the, I worked in, I had a few jobs uh, mm-hmm. and probably the, the most serious one was working in the, in the automotive industry uh, before that, right. before this, but I was very young, you know, like I was working for the group Fiat Ferrari Maserati. So I was a car designer um i hated that job like but 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 it was like and and there's you know there is nothing absolutely nothing like the video game industry where there is so many conference you know knowledge sharing uh being nice to each other but it's actually there's a lot of hatred in other companies and uh pharmaceutical also it's very similar i i love being in this industry like i i remember you know what you know uh, what i got lucky so my family for many years they 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 were telling me that I was wasting my life, right? Because I was as soon as I was 19, I knew it since I was 12 that I wanted to be a foreigner. So listen, listen. I wanted to be a foreigner, right? I wanted to be abroad. <laughs> and then when I when I had the chance to just just flow, you know, to, to just fly away, boom, did it right away. I did it right away. And uh, so I lived here, lived there. So I immediately went to Belgium because I I, I met a girl uh, during my summer holidays <laughs> in Tuscany, and then I met this girl. So I, I you know I went to I went to Belgium to to live with her family. Her father. It's like so I have plenty of crazy stories, but I I was like living uh, living abroad, and I wanted to I wanted just to to be abroad, and I you know did 
I, I, I always did that. And my family was like, oh, why are you going there now? Why are you doing that now? But oh, it's actually very beautiful how I now I consider myself a one, you know, super, super lucky. I'm lucky because everything I did, or maybe it's good that I, I have learned how to learn from my mistakes or for, for situations that were not optimal. Maybe, I don't know what that is, but every mistake brought me to another level in my, in my life, right? Because of there was something yeah, here. Yes. And the, the for example, how I got into the video game industry was exactly because of that. After Belgium and after Turkey and after this and after that, I decided to go to Brazil. I lived in Brazil for four years. Yeah, four years something. So and then I'm come. I decided to to come back to to Europe because like there it was like we're still talking about the days where planes were very expensive. Uh, if you were buying it, like so, everyone started feeling. Like, Damn, if something happens to me or for people to to come here. You know, it, it's, it takes forever. Yeah. Or me, something happens to someone in my family and I want to go there, it's going to cost oh, me yeah. like 3,000 euros at the time to just, or, or like the 3 million or something like whatever. It was very yeah. expensive. So I came back to Europe and because I learned Brazilian Portuguese and for whatever reason, I learned that language perfectly. I think I'm practically native. Uh, um, uh, the level is almost native. Um, right. So and and when I came back, then I remember I was uh, I was in Kivasa, which is close to Torino, and I passed in front of one of these man manpower's agency, and I see I'm just passing in front of it, and I see like you know, and it says like uh, video game tester, and I was like, I probably like in a movie, three more steps, then I was like, huh, I go back three <laughs> steps back, and I like video games I've been playing video games since I'm four I won that yes. and so and that was um I had to go and work for Nintendo in Frankfurt wow I did the, I did the I did the the, the the interview with them so I went to Frankfurt on a Friday so that's how also crazy they were in the, at that time on a Friday I do this uh this interview and they say you need to stay here till four and we're gonna give you the result and then they gave me the result at four say on Monday you start and <laughs> so you don't have a place to stay. You don't have a, 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 a plane, uh, you know, a, right. so you need to organize everything like that. But I was, yeah. I wanted to do it so badly. So they actually hired me because I could be an LQA tester for both right. Italian and uh, Portuguese, right? So I could help. Nice. I could call yeah. yeah. But you see how right. things are, you know, they... And, and, yeah, and the and friends of your life kind of weave together. Yes, and yeah. yes, exactly. Interesting. Exactly. That's very good. Isn't that, that's, I mean, uh, the, um, I mean, that's a, it's a beautiful story, but also, isn't that incredible that they made, you, you had the interview and they made the decision that day and you knew by the end of the day and you started next week. Like, when, I know at the moment, and obviously in the games industry, a lot of the news is about layoffs and about restructuring. <sighs> that's very hard. But even just generally, I get the impression that finding work today, can, I mean, uh, a company moving that fast on recruitment it's just unheard of in, in the 2020s right so yeah no no it's it was it was crazy but it was that whole thing about that recruitment was crazy but they were but but crazy crazy in a in a, in a very positive way yeah exactly. yeah energetic it's just, they just, knew yeah they knew it they knew who they wanted they felt uh, the the they, they knew exactly the kind of people that they wanted, the kind of skill set that they wanted. Boom, hard. You know, you start them, you start them on Monday, and uh, and, and people <laughs> and people brilliant. were doing it. Most people were going there with the, with a the passion for Nintendo, for Nintendo games, and they were just doing this yeah. crazy thing. So like, I had like twenty four hours to find a place to stay, and the place I found was 
oh, tragic. It was a horror <laughs> show. Um, but it was the only thing I could find. And then in time, I fixed it yeah. and I started living with someone else. And then, oh, my, the first place was in Frankfurt. But great, great <laughs> two and a half years of my life. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. And I still have friends from those days um, from working in the LQA department at Nintendo. It's this, wow. this industry is, 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 is my passion. And that's, and that's also why I'm doing this, this show. Yeah. That's because I know yeah. that people know Dave Bradley and they hear you talking and, you know, on the stage, they hear you, they know that you are, in, you know, a, a person with so much knowledge, but they want to know about that knowledge. But who knows Dave? You know, <laughs> my name well, is well, Dave. Well, my name is Dave. What a great, what a great idea for a podcast and chance to talk about, you know, people's backgrounds and, and, and what, what motivates them. Because this all comes down to, you know, you know, why we're here, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Yes, and I also want to do more. There is a, there is another, uh, there is an idea at the moment, and then uh, that of doing maybe a special episode uh, dedicated to, um, to to burnout, depression, all those kind of like a little bit taboo topics, but that now more than ever are incredibly actual and. Um, you know, with all these layouts that we're talking about this year, we thought it would have been like a bit better, but is it? I think it's going to be way worse. It's going to, the situation is going to extend till mid 2025. Unfortunately, that's, um, but that's, I was reading a, an interesting post uh, on LinkedIn. Someone was saying that, but what, what were we expecting, right? We feasted like Romans, you know, eating <laughs> grapes from like, you know, for, for a couple of years yeah. during the pandemic. And, and now we're just, paying that price right so yeah. um this gonna this gonna last uh but i want to so i'm talking to 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 someone and probably we're gonna bring uh, on the show so we're gonna do a episode x about that and i read it's very dear topic to me uh since i had this problem in the past and i really want to share my uh my stories other people's stories and maybe who knows maybe it can become even a spin-off where people are, are are available to to talk about that topic but great idea yes thank yeah, you Dave. tell me one we'll more thing tell me one more thing yeah. about your cats i heard you have cats <laughs> oh i say cat wait is, is that the normal sci- sci-fi and cats they go hand in hand or <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know whether that's a there's a correlation there but there's a uh yeah i've got i've got two cats there you know they, they they keep me company they they're uh they're they're good fun they're very cute they're great they're uh um it's it's nice to have um to have i think it's nice to have pets and i think it's you know i, I know I, I have friends who have dogs as well which is great but i've always um, i've always been a cat person and um uh and they they uh, they're, they're good company not perhaps not so much when they're scratching at the door in the morning to get fed but uh, <laughs> they're uh, uh but yeah and they you know they kind of sit on my desk sometimes they're not here today while we record this but they very often sit on my desk and kind of uh and kind of keep me company the one advantage of a cat because of course with the games industry i travel a lot and i think that's that's great i, I was very inspired by what you were saying about you know the, the desire to be a foreigner i love travel i love to see the world yeah. i think and the games industry has um given me a lot of opportunities to do that i mean I, you know i would travel anyway but the games industry is taking me to countries that i never would get to see otherwise probably but the thing is if you travel it's very hard to have a dog say for instance or something like yeah that. but cats Cats can take care of themselves. Like we have a, a, a neighbor who will come in and make sure that that they are uh, fed. You know, but but uh, but a cat, you know, is they're very independent and they'll sleep a lot of the time. So I can go away for three days to a conference and then you know our neighbor makes sure that they've got food and if they need it. But I can come back and the cat's still in exactly the same spot <laughs> and they're fine. So cats are very good if you're they're very independent if you're a person who has to travel every few days. 
Dave, you know what? I I, I have the, 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 the urge, I have the need to meet you in person. And I, the next time we are at the same event or something, we need to have a chat. It's such an interesting person. It's so good to hear. And you have like, like well, like most most British, most Brits actually, they have this 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 beautiful skill of they know how to talk a lot. I don't know what how they feed you when you're when when you're kids, but most most Brits they just talk. It's all the tea. Is it what's 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 so and you guys are amazing but but it's nice to hear you have a good voice oh, and I, you know I'd, 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 I'd love to get together in person and maybe we'll have a chance to do it in uh, gdc perhaps or something that, that next thing or... unfortunately I, I won't i won't well unfortunately actually i'm oh. kind of happy because i don't like to travel that much across the ocean because i have problems oh, with sleeping things so then you know oh, that yeah. but oh, you know glad not to go uh, but I will have to go at some point. But I'm sure that we're gonna we're gonna meet Helsinki. some of your Helsinki. yes, Helsinki, yeah. exactly. Helsinki would be there would be go. good. But let's let's stay in touch. I I I hope we're this this is gonna happen. Hey Dave, really, it's was fantastic talking to you. You're a great person. You're a great person. Can I say it? And I don't say just for it, but you're a great person to talk to. I wish I met you before. Thank you. Well, you too. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me on the uh, on the podcast. It's wonderful to talk to you. And yeah, we, we, could, we could probably talk for hours. So let's do it in person in Helsinki. Okay. Okay. So let me say goodbye to all the to all the listener. Thank you very much for uh, for, for joining us today. Uh, as you, you know, Dave is a great person. So I hope that you had fun. I had fun. So I see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Bye.